This is the Barbecue Central Radio Show, which is recorded live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Radio Show is being brought to you by The Barbecue Guru, the original creators of automatic temperature control devices, now offering four different models for you to choose from. Rest easy knowing that The Barbecue Guru is controlling your temperature so you can get on with your life. Visit bbqguru.com or call 800-288-GURU for more information. And by Fred's Music and Tasty Licks BBQ Supply, your online barbecue and grilling superstore. From cookers to grills, wood chips and chunks, and everything in between, also be sure to try the Tasty Licks barbecue brand of rubs and sauces. Check Fred out online at tastylicksbbq.com. And by Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. Located in beautiful Willoughby, Ohio, Stephen DeFranco Jewelers is a family-owned and operated business looking to service the great folks of the barbecue and grilling world. Get free shipping and big discounts by mentioning my name and the term Barbecue Brother. Check out their inventory by visiting stephendefranco.com. And by Butcher Barbecue, with 30 years of experience in retail, wholesale, meat markets, food service, and customer service. Using that experience, everything they do and sell at Butcher's Barbecue comes from real-world knowledge. Check out their award-winning spices, sauces, marinades, and injections by visiting ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. And by Green Mountain Grills. Discover something you'll really, really love, grilling with pellets. Green Mountain Pellet Grills are the top of the line, best of the best, but not the highest in price. And be sure to check out all of their flavor rubs, sauces, and pellets for the Green Mountain Grill all on their website. Visit GreenMountainGrills.com to peruse the entire product's portfolio. And buy Barbecuer's Delight Wood Pellets. Two-thirds oak, one-third flavor wood, giving you that perfect combination of BTU burn and sweet, succulent smoke you're looking to get all over your meat. A wide variety of flavors, so please go to the website to check it out and get yours today. Barbecuer's Delight, which is bbqrsdelight.com. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure to say whatever? We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Good evening, and welcome to the really big Barbecue Central show. A little technical green screen difficulties as we uh, depart on our magical, smoky, wood-fired adventure. The show originates from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, rapidly becoming known as the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday. Two bits of contact information in case you want to get in touch with the show tonight. 877-448-0433, greg at the bbqcentralshow.com. Everything else can be found on the website 
thebbqcentralshow.com. Here's what's happening on the show tonight. Coming up in about 12 minutes from now, uh, basically an icon when it comes to barbecue and grilling, as high as it gets until you get into the people that have transcended barbecue and grilling from some people's accounts. Multiple-time author, TV show host, now novelist, Stephen Reichlin joining us for two segments, no less than two segments. Uh, Second hour and guest in the show. Sitting in live in studio, jeweler to the barbecue stars and a friend of mine, Stephen DeFranco. There he is, ladies and gentlemen, right there on camera. Stephen is in. Uh, oh, shit. Look what I did. I didn't put my green screen up when we're splitting the screen. <laughs> Outrageous. One of these days, Stephen, I'm going to get a hold of this whole thing. And With all the money you spent here, all these <laughs> modifications, all these upgrades, you screwed up, dude. I know. Oh, man. It's one of those things. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, get my green out of here. Go. I'll just go straight black. There. Oh, nobody can see anything. <laughs> kind of. Wow. I'm having some terrible green screen issues tonight. Uh, no question about it. I think yep. we can both agree that uh, for whatever reason, the green screen is not cooperating with me tonight. But Yeah. So... Uh, here we go. Um, second hour of the show, uh, we have a bunch of stuff to get into. Obviously, we're going to be talking uh, with Steve about uh, you know just some general barbecue stuff. Uh, we also have a barbecue sauce review. Uh, this coming in from Malcolm Reed of Killer Hogs. Uh, the barbecue sauce is what it's called. Killerhogs.com is a place you can go to check that out. I don't know if it's actually uh, in stores yet. I think I might have gotten an advanced copy. So we're going to test it. I told Malcolm, look. You know what it's like on this show. If you want to send it to me, I'm more than happy to try it. But this isn't something where you're going to ask me to do it ahead of time. And then if I don't like it, you're going to ask me not to do it. That's not how we roll in the show. It's nothing but uh, standard operating procedure here. We're just going to do it live. And if we both like it, we'll say as much. If we both don't like it, we'll give you reasons why our particular palate doesn't like it. But here's the deal. Whatever the result is at the 10 o'clock hour of this barbecue sauce doesn't mean that you shouldn't try it. doesn't mean that uh, because it doesn't fit my flavor profile or Steve's flavor profile uh, in our mouths doesn't mean that it wouldn't fit you. You know what you like. I say it time and time again. Trust your pal, which is your palate. Uh, if you like microwave stuff or if you like stuff cooked out on the smoker or if you like stuff from McDonald's or whatever the case may be, if it tastes good to you, it tastes good to your palate, then that's right. Don't let anybody tell you different. And just because we may or may not give a sauce a glowing review or we might pan it doesn't mean that if you try it, you might not like it. So take that for what it's worth. Steve, would you like to add anything to that? I've learned that barbecue is going on? <laughs> Steve's got crappy equipment here, too, aside from a terrible host and a green screen. I learned that barbecue is kind of like Italian food. There's such a wide range between northern and southern Italy for Italian food. Barbecue, think about the north and the south and what some of the competition guys have to do to change their recipes. I know I have to cook a little different because my wife likes a direction slightly different than what I like, but you got to make everybody happy you're cooking for. What's the one saying that I say all the time? Happy wife, happy life. Amen. No doubt about it. Uh, so pretty much that's what's happening tonight. 877-448-0433. Greg at the BBQ Central Show dot com if you want to jump in. 
on the show tonight. Uh, if you have any questions for Steve or myself, you know, we're more than happy to, to go ahead and field those at will. Got to make sure that I'm all set up here for uh, Stephen Reichland, who I still have not gotten confirmation from Skype-wise yet. Is he my friend yet? Let me go down to the S's. Well, I have some oh. good questions for Stephen. Ooh. I got some good questions for him. Well, I guess we're going to have to see how that goes. Look, one thing I want to mention, uh, we do have some time. I messed up last week. I was giving you a recap of what the, the Kingsford Invitational was like and all the great people that I was finally meet, able to meet face-to-face and all that great stuff. I completely forgot to mention Jeff Vanderlindy and the boys over at Shigan and Grinnin. I need to own up to that right now. When I was recapping the whole event, I completely forgot to mention them by name after I mentioned everybody else. And uh, I, uh, I apologize profusely, insipidously, and otherwise, uh, in some cases, profanically. Uh, Jeff, no disrespect. I love you guys. And quite honestly, Steve, I don't know if you've ever tasted this before, but um, you know these guys are cooking brisket like nobody's business. Top teams uh, right now, uh, all the people that have won, you know, the Jack Daniels and uh, Great Lenexa Barbecue Battle and Pitmaster Season Three TV show, Memphis and May, eight of the top cooks out there, and turning in their barbecue. And Jeff gave me it was a slice of brisket, but it wasn't off of the flat like you would typically find it. This happened to be off of the point. So it was a point slice, a little thicker, a little bit more fat in it. Easily one of the best slices of brisket that I have ever had. But something that people probably wouldn't turn in because it's not a flat slice. I understand. So they don't want to give themselves that weird, what are the judges going to think thing? Because nobody wants to <laughs> insult the judges in competition barbecue anymore. Um, but taste-wise, it was absolutely phenomenal. So you know, if you have the ability or if you have, a lot of time maybe the point doesn't have you know, that long of a, of a meat slice to, to be able to get it and why they use it in the burn-end cubes. But this slice was absolutely phenomenal. So thanks to Jeff. Uh, I apologize to Jeff Vanderlindy and the boys over there shaking the grin. Um, let me see. What do I got to do here? Wait, you're, you're leaving that brisket thing. Did he give you any tips, any hints, any help, any secrets, anything? No, I mean, it was, it was being uh, recorded for television, that whole operation. So I think it was, I think it's going to be in... March or April of next year, uh, the Kingsford Invitational Championship will be on the air, and uh, we'll just maybe they'll give you tips at that point. I don't know. So, what did you see when you were looking and peering around? There? I wasn't allowed to really be around too much because um, I'm emailing Stephen. By the way, That's right. um, I have not. Did you get any uh, the flavor profiles? What did you when you were tasting it? What did you taste different? What made it the best? What made it the uh, so good? Well, what made it so good for me is the fact that I do not know how to cook a very good brisket. So to get the slice and to be able to kind of pull it and uh, you know they that's kind of like one of the telltale signs of a good brisket is you kind of pull it apart, but it still had tastes like beef. It was just cooked great, and if so, I can't sit there and I didn't get to taste a lot of it because the TV people were really hindering my ability to thieve a lot of the turn-ins, unfortunately. <laughs> so that was really probably the most disappointing uh, part of the whole weekend was the fact that, you know, I had all of these teams saying, hey, show up at this time, this time, and this time right after turn-ins. And then after we were released from lunch, we were told, don't go anywhere near the teams because this is a big part of television and we don't want you around there. The pieces that I got were light years ahead of what I have ever tried. So, you know, the, the benefit to me is I can call these guys 
you know, just whenever I want to and say, hey, how am I going to do this brisket? How can I get it to slice like this? Or what temperature am I shooting for roundabout and, and kind of be able to, to back into it that way? Which a lot of people, I guess, don't have that option. But this is one of the benefits you have for being one of the top men in the industry. <laughs> My Rolodex of who's who in barbecue. Um, let's see where we're at here. Uh, Actually, after a couple of brisket uh, tries, I've, I've, you know, I don't cook competition. I've kind of given up on it. It takes so darn long, and I don't know if I'm going to live long enough to get it right. All I've been cooking lately is tri-tip, and boy, oh. that is just uh, – I, I taught a buddy of mine how to do it. He comes down. Uh, he wakes up one morning, and he comes down, and he finds his wife standing in front of the refrigerator <laughs> – with the door open, taking tri-tip and putting it in her mouth in her pajamas. Really? Yes. He said the first thing he did was turned around, went back to his computer, and he emailed me. He says, this is how well that tri-tip turned out. <laughs> That's the uh, definite sign of very good barbecue. Very good cooked meat. I got to get his... Uh, I do have a cell phone number, just in case. Let's see, where were we at? Call me. Here's the back of all right. Maybe he's nervous because he knows I have a whole bunch of good questions for him. Without a shadow of a doubt. He's not used to this much media. All right, look. I have a pellet cooker. It's called the Gorilla. And the first thing that I did when I, when I got my hands on this thing, I lobbed a phone call over to Candy Weaver and uh, the good folks over at Barbecuers Delight Wood Pellets. Why? Uh, easily because it's widely considered to be one of uh, the most prolific best well-consumed pellets on the face of the earth. So I decided why not stick with what the best people are doing, and I think you should give them a try as well. BBQRSDelight.com is the website where you can try them as well. Now, maybe you don't have a pellet cooker. No problem. You can still take advantage of the pellet revolution on your gas or charcoal grill or smoker by grabbing this cast iron pot option. So you buy yourself a nice sampler pack of pellets. You load about one-third cup into the pot. And then you place that into your grill or cooker, and you let that sweet, succulent smoke take care of the rest. Now, here's how pellets are made. They are uh, compressed from sawdust. You get pressure. That generates heat. Now, any contaminants that were in that wood, eliminated. This is a sterile smoking wood product of consistent quality, and the pellets are easy to use. You don't have to soak them in water prior to use. Uh, you can blend flavor profiles together, mix and match, however you want to do it. So go to bbqrsdelight.com. That's Barbecuers Delight. Visit them, again, at bbqrsdelight.com and check out all the flavors that they have, 16, 17 flavors. Stop fussing with the chunks and the sticks and go to Barbecuers Delight, the choice of competition cooks and backyard hacks just like me, bbqrsdelight.com. That's Barbecuers Delight. And we're going to try and wrangle up the Stephen Reichland character one way or another. And uh, we will be back right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back.
Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Uh, my first guest tonight, best-selling author, television host and personality expert in the field of barbecue and grilling. And when you break down, one of the most recognizable, successful people in our industry today. So we race over to the Skype hotline and welcome back Stephen Reichlin to the show. All right, proper introductions out of the way. Stephen, Thanksgiving almost upon us, merely two days away. So let me ask you this. Let's say you're the constant procrastinator. Uh, you also just happened to tune into this show right now, and it jars you into that oh crap moment where you think your turkey's still in the freezer, you're 48 hours out. Is there still time to defrost to get an excellent bird, or are we well past that point right now? Uh, well, there is. It's not the ideal circumstance, but here's what you need to do you need to take it out right now, you need to put it in your sink, you need to fill your sink with cold water, and you need to defrost it with cold water in your sink starting this minute. Uh, tomorrow morning, uh, you may need to pull it out of the cold water and leave it at room temperature. Um, I uh, got some wonderful heritage turkeys that I had a friend bring down from Martha's Vineyard, and we started defrosting them on Sunday. So ideally, that's where you'll be. All right, so now let's back out here just for a second, if we could, and talk a little bit about uh, Thanksgiving as a as a holiday, as it were. You know, um, and, and you're kind of a thoughtful guy, so I'm interested here in exactly what your take is on the history of Thanksgiving and how this compares to some of the other bigger holidays that come before and after it, stripping everything away. This is really kind of an American or uniquely American event, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, first of all, um, it's one of our few holidays uh, that from the very beginning was built around a meal. Uh, that meal was a harvest feast, actually, that the uh, pilgrims shared uh, uh, with the uh, Indians of Cape Cod and Plymouth. Uh, there is no record uh, in the uh, there's, there's no documentation that uh, a turkey was actually served. Uh we know the venison was served, that eel, seafood were served. Uh, the turkey is, however, a New World, world bird. Uh, how it got its name is a little bit weird. It was sort of a marketing technique in the uh, 16th century. And that is, at the time, all the prestige food products were really coming not out of the New World, but out of the Middle East. Uh, uh, Istanbul, Turkey, they were the gateway to the spices of uh, the Far East. And by naming this weird poultry that discover, uh, dis uh, the uh, explorers had discovered in the New World, by naming it Turkey Bird, uh, it sort of gave it the same cachet uh, that saying something comes from France or Italy does today. Uh, so uh, you have a New World bird, not necessarily at a New World harvest feast, 
Uh, and Benjamin Franklin jumps in the mix. Benjamin Franklin, uh, practical guy that he was, uh, actually thought that the national bird of America ought to be the turkey, not the bald eagle. Uh, you can eat a turkey. You can't eat an eagle. Correct. Stephen Reichlin joining us here on the show. Uh, Stephen, I also have uh, barbecue jeweler to the stars, uh, Steve DeFranco, in here with me, so he might jump in uh, with a question every now and again as well. Uh, one of the things that I have found as well, you know, you have Halloween, Christmas, and some of these other big holidays have become so commercialized for months in advance. And Thanksgiving, you know, rarely do you see it uh, commercial. It seems to have been able to kind of stay away from all of this four or five months in advance uh, of all this commercialism that some of the other ones uh, have not been able to get away from. And it seems to, like, exhaust people because of how much lead-up there is prior to the event. Um, something that you're finding as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it boils down to a, um, a single word, and that is merchandise. Uh, Thanksgiving is not traditionally a gift-giving holiday. And aside from buying the turkey and maybe some, uh, you know, uh, pilgrim accoutrements for your kids, uh, you know, there's not really any gear or presents that you uh, need to buy to celebrate Thanksgiving. Stephen Reichlin joining me here on the show. Some websites for Stephen, obviously, barbecuebible.com and stephenreichlin.com. So, you know, going back into the cooking, assuming you've done everything right in advance or we've jarred you into the fact that you're about to put your turkey in the sink overnight and stay up with it. Uh, you get a fresh turkey, no defrost needed. You've cooked a lot of turkeys before, Stephen. What are some of your favorite ways or methods to really nail that perfect holiday bird? Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We bought two of these heritage birds. Uh, I think I paid more for them than the airfare to get them down here. Uh, <laughs> we're going to brine one. And I'm a big fan of brining turkeys. Why? Uh, turkey has a weird anatomy, and the breast is actually done about a half an hour before the legs are. So uh, brining is a way to keep the bird moist, even though you cook it uh, in a way you overcook the breast to get the legs done. <coughs> so that is bird number one for us. Bird number two, uh, uh, I'm going to loosen the skin on the turkey, and I'm going to stuff underneath the skin. I have a truffle butter, a truffle barbecue butter that I make uh, in association with some friends that run uh, the Transatlantic Food Company. And we are going to uh, place a, uh, about a half pound of truffle butter under the skin of the second bird, and we're going to indirect grill that. The brine bird is going to be uh, smoke roasted. Notice that, I say, notice that I say smoke roasted, not smoked. Um, uh, smoking is great for brisket. Smoking is great for ribs. Uh, in Turkey, if you smoke low and slow, you wind up with very rubbery skin. And for me, the skin is the most important part, uh, most delicious part of the turkey. So I like to cook a bird at a slightly higher temperature, about 325 to 350. Go ahead, Steve. Hey, Stephen, this is Steve. Um, Hi, Steve. How you doing? Great. Um, explain the difference for a newbie like me, somebody who hasn't been barbecuing for long, the difference between brining and injecting, what what are the differences going to be for my end result? Okay, very good question. Uh, in brining, you soak uh, the bird in a saline solution and by a chemical process known as osmosis in which basically uh, liquids want to achieve an equilibrium. That is, if you have a saltier liquid on the outside and a less salty liquid on the inside, uh, the saltier liquid is going to flow to the inside of the bird 
to achieve equilibrium. So what that basically does is infuse a salt-flavored liquid into the meat. Now, uh, with injecting, you're also injecting a flavorful uh, liquid into the meat, but it is a much more localized uh, process. Uh, in brining, if you do it 24 hours, all of the turkey meat absorbs the brine. Uh, whereas with injecting, uh, you know, you hit the thighs, you hit the breast, but there's certain parts of the meat that don't get the injector liquid. So when you can do it, I, I mean, I've done both. Uh, I think one consistent in Stephen Reichland's world is that I never do a turkey the same way twice. Uh, I've, you know, probably made 30, tur- 30 Thanksgiving turkeys at least over the years, and, uh, and every year it's different for me. Is there one year that stands out as being Stephen Reichland's masterpiece? Or is it every you year? You know, uh, Brian, well, maybe first of all, I ought to tell you about some of the really wacky things I've done over the years. Uh, so, uh, you know, one, there was one year way back when people were wrapping turkeys in blankets to keep them moist for the first uh, few hours and then unwrapping uh, wrapping them. Uh, when I first moved down to Miami, where I'm speaking to you from now, uh, we would use a Spanish-Caribbean marinade called uh, uh, adobo, and uh, basically it's a salt-garlic-sour-orange uh, mixture, uh, which, if you think about it, is sort of like a brine. Yep. We put that under the skin. Uh, I have smoked birds. I have fried birds. I have roasted birds. I have roasted birds right side up. One year we roasted the birds upside down. So and the theory that the juices would flow down and uh, make the breast moist. But I got to say that a bourbon brine and a maple smoke or a uh, Jack Daniels barrel chip smoke, pretty tough to beat that. Stephen Reichland joining us here on the show, stephenreichland.com. Also, uh, of course, the website barbecuebible.com are two places you want to go on the Internet to check what Stephen's up to. Do you have like an average cook time per pound that you go off of, Stephen? Um, well, let's do some arithmetic. So I've got 12-pound birds, and I'm figuring uh, I'm figuring I'm going to be about two and a half to three hours. And so if you uh, – so that would be uh, four pounds, about 15 pounds, I guess about uh, 15 minutes per pound uh, if you broke it down that way. But you can't solely go by pound because uh, there's a certain minimum amount of time you need to get a threshold of roasting. Uh, also, note, uh, for me, the perfect bird is kind of between about 8 and 12 pounds. Uh, I'm not a big fan of those big 20 and 25-pound birds. I, I find that it's just uh, it's just too tough to, to, to kind of control the tenderness and the cooking, and you're better off with two smaller birds. My mom is fainting as we speak right now with her 25-pound bird down in uh, Bradenton, Florida right now. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Mom. That's all right. Uh, she'll forgive you this time, Stephen, but don't let her happen again. Uh, what shooting? What are you shooting for internally as a, as a finished temperature? I'm going for about 170. And I know that's a little higher than uh, you need to, uh, according to food safety standards, but I find that you get, uh, uh, you get maximum tenderness uh, at that temperature. Right, Stephen, I'm going to ask you a question that I didn't plan on. And I'm interested to get your take here. I was down at the Kingsford Invitational Championship last weekend in Bell, Missouri, which is where the big Kingsford plan is there. They had mm-hmm. eight of the top competition teams. And just in a moment that I was having with a West Coast competition team, a Harry Sue from Slap Yo Daddy, top chicken cook in the country right now for KCBS. He is going around and telling people right now at this time 
that you should not cook your chicken. I know we're talking about turkey, but poultry any higher than 145 degrees. If you are, you're overcooking it. It is absolutely safe at that temperature at like 118 degrees. All these microbes and bugs are dying and that the FDA is defiant and it will not change its standards because um, they, they just won't do it. And 140 is all the farther you need to take it. Um, well, you know, uh, I would not serve a turkey at 140. Uh, I'd be uncomfortable doing it. We live in a highly litigious society. Uh, I would never put it in a book or on a TV show because I don't want people to get sick. I also think that a bird cooked uh, to 165, 170 gives you the uh, gives you a really great flavor and tenderness. So uh, I will uh, respectfully disagree. All right. Stephen, uh, this morning when I was having breakfast, knowing I was going to come on here and, and talk to you, uh, what a great honor. I'm, I'm a fan. Got your oh, book. Thank uh, you. Love the show and everything. Um, I was reading through your Wikipedia page, and I thought, yeah, i got to come up with some interesting questions here, because I know Greg's going to cover all the cooking, and I figured I'd come up with some of the stupid stuff. And do you mind answering some of these and tell us whether they're true and maybe explain a little bit? Let's give it a try. All right. It says on your Wikipedia page, in your early life, you received a Thomas J. Watson Foundation Fellowship to study medieval cooking in Europe. What's medieval cooking, and why the heck did you want that? Uh, well, great question, and you did your homework, and that was really uh, the way I got into this whole crazy business. Uh, but uh, medieval cooking, well, when I was in college, I have a degree in French literature. I wrote my thesis on uh, uh, an obscure medieval French poet who turned out to be the uh, Europe's first feminist, but clueless 21-year-old male that I was at the time. I sort of missed the feminist message. <laughs> However, um, medieval cooking was really interesting. I mean, think about this. People have cooked all through history. Uh, in the Middle Ages, in order to write a cookbook, you had to write it down uh, by hand. And if you think about so many of the foods that we think of as being European today, uh, the potato and French fry in, in Belgium, the tomato in Italy, uh, the hot pepper or paprika in uh, Hungary, um, the turkey, none of those existed in Europe. On the other hand, extravagant spicing, extremely ceremonial and theatrical food. Uh, one recipe that I actually found called for, uh, gave you instructions on how to uh, bake a hollow pie shell with a trapdoor at the bottom so you could put live doves in the uh, pie <laughs> so that nursery rhyme, four and 20 blackbirds uh, baked in a pie, that was historically real and accurate. But I think stepping back kind of more broadly, I have always been fascinated by the intersection of food and history and culture. And even in my barbecue books, or especially in my barbecue books, uh, they're very much, you know, the recipes are sort of the Trojan horse to get you into the interesting historical and cultural story. Stephen Reichlin joining us here on the show. Um, Turkey's great. No question about it. But Thanksgiving is also about side dishes as well, perhaps even equal to the turkey. Some of your favorite side dishes to do outside on the grill, Stephen. Oh, you bet. Well, um, first of all, you know, I, uh, I have a, a style of cooking I like a lot called caveman grilling. And yes. uh, you may have seen that with my caveman T-bones. But uh, did, one thing yes. that's really great to do is cook your sweet potatoes, lay them on the embers of your charcoal grill. You build a charcoal fire. Get rid of the grill grate, lay the uh, sweet potatoes right on the embers, and the skins will char jet black, infusing the sweet potato flesh with this incredible smoky flavor. 
cut them in half if you want to do the marshmallow or the cinnamon, cinnamon butter treatment on top. It's an absolutely spectacular way to cook sweet potatoes. Another thing we like to do, uh, squash uh, on the, um, uh, you know, the acorn squash, cut it into rings, uh, brush the rings with uh, spice butter and direct grill the squash rings. Oysters being a part-time New Englander, oysters are a big part of our Thanksgiving tradition. And I like to just uh, shuck the oysters, a little nugget of butter in them, and smoke the oysters uh, on a charcoal grill with a handful of, uh, of maple or hickory chips. Five minutes, leave them just kind of warm, smoky, uh, but not quite cooked. That's fantastic. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if uh, any of your listeners are, uh, have uh, literary inclinations, but I wrote a novel in the springtime, which uh, sort of ties into your question a little bit about my Wikipedia entry and the sort of background in literature. It's a novel called Island Apart, and it's a uh, love story set on Martha's Vineyard. And one of the chapters is called Giving Thanks. And in that chapter, it's really the first time all the characters in the story come together. And uh, they come together over a Thanksgiving feast, a New England Thanksgiving feast. And there, I, I used to say there's no barbecue in the novel, but in fact there is. There is a uh, bourbon brined maple smoked turkey uh, in that story. Uh, there's a smoke, a squash bisque uh, served with pepitas, those little Mexican spiced squash seeds uh, that actually I've been taking to smoking the squash before making the soup, mm. and that is absolutely spectacular. Stephen Reichlin joining us here on the show. Stephen, I'm going to uh, break just here for one second. Uh, so if you need to refresh a cocktail or anything like that, go ahead and uh, do it. We'll pick up in three minutes, uh, and we'll get to more with the novel as well. Uh, we're talking with Stephen Reichlin, StephenReichlin.com and BarbecueBible.com. Uh, gang, before we go any further, let me tell you about Butcher's Barbecue. Uh, I know people in the chat right now are talking, what's in the honey rub? Easily one of the best rubs I've had, Steve, and I'm, I'm not even going to lie. So you should get at least six for your next rib adventure or, or pork butt adventure, whatever. I'm in. Um, ButcherBBQ.com is the website. Uh, you recall a couple weeks ago, Dave Bosca gave away no less than three year supplies of his pork injection, his beef injection, and his prime injection, the three lucky winners. So their competition season or their backyard season for next year is all taken care of. But I just talked to somebody about the trade-in program uh, two days ago. I got a Facebook instant message, <clears throat> pardon me, and it said, I don't like the injection that I'm using. What should I do? And I said, well, sir, are you a fan of the show? And he said, yes. I said, well, maybe you should uh, listen a little bit closer and remember that the trade-in program is going right now at Butcher Barbecue. What is the trade-in program, you ask? Glad you asked. Let's say you have a competitor's barbecue injection and your scores have tumbled, or you don't like the product that it is producing for you. Well, before you've been screwed, you have to throw it out, and now you're out the 50 bucks or whatever it is that you spent on it, and you're just going to cry in your soup. Forget about that. Go to ButcherBBQ.com, click on the trade-in link at the very top right of the navigation bar, and then fill out the sheet. Whatever you have left over, as long as it's in its commercial package, ship it off to Dave. When Butcher gets it, he will weigh it. Those weights are final, and then in return... He will give you the pork injection or the beef injection or the prime injection. Doesn't get any better than that. Now you're not wasting any money, and the benefit is you're getting tried and true products 
on the barbecue circuit across many sanctioning bodies. It's just not KCBS. It's FBA. It's IBCA. Uh, it is KCBS. It's Memphis in May. You name it, top cooks in the industry are using it. Plus, a lot of backyard people are now injecting as well. Butcher's uh, by far top name in the industry. He's been doing it for years, and he uses his own stuff in competitions as well. So he's not just you know making it on the side and making a couple bucks off. This is a guy that knows the business. ButcherBBQ.com is the website. The trade-in program is going on right now. And as we talked to Dave a couple weeks ago, he's got something big in the works as well. He also gives classes. So go to the website, figure out exactly what you need. Try the sauces, try the rubs. I've tried everything. You just won't be disappointed. They're high-quality products. ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. We'll come back in six seconds with Stephen Reichland. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show right here on the Barbecue Central Radio Networks. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, we are back. Uh, just coming up on 20 minutes to the top of the hour, 40 minutes past 9. Stephen Reichlin here uh, joining me as my guest. Stephen DeFranco is in the house for a live in studio. Hey, Greg. All right. <clears throat> Pardon me. Jeez, having a little rough time with a uh, voice tonight. Uh, Stephen, so we're talking about, uh, we just got done talking about some side dishes. Um, do you, are, are there some side dishes that have to be relegated to the kitchen only, or, or can everything get outside? You just need to have that, uh, what I call, testicular fortitude to get out there and do it. Well, down here in Florida, it doesn't take a lot of fortitude. Yeah, it's right. Actually, uh, the weather's gorgeous, which is one of the best things about living down here. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I, I suppose it's theoretically possible to make cranberry sauce on a grill. Uh, I'm not sure what advantage would be served by doing that. Uh, the stuffing, um, you know, we're going to do the stuffing indoors. Why? Because we've got smoke on the turkey. And uh, actually, it's not stuffing because I don't like to stuff a bird. I like to say it's dressing. I like to cook the bird separately. Uh, and I don't, you, you know... We tend to go a little bit overboard, but um, sometimes too much of a good thing is too much of a good thing. Do you have any thoughts on fried turkey? You know, I hear a lot of great things about it. I've actually never had one, and quite honestly, I have a fear of burning myself and my friends down all at the same time. For burning your house down. Correct. Um, um, yeah. You know, look, it's um, it will give you a, a very moist bird. It will give you very crisp skin. Uh, and and I, um, I've done it. I've eaten it. I'm actually including a recipe for it in a new book I'm writing, uh, which is a book on cooking for and by men, by the way. But frankly, I think it's a little monodimensional compared to a smoke-roasted bird. I mean, if you think about the process of brining and smoke roasting, so you're infusing flavor with the brine. Uh, you're infusing flavor with the smoke. You're crisping the skin. You're keeping the meat moist. I mean, that's, you know, it's hard to get a lot more complex than that. All right, so uh, transitioning a little bit out of uh, you know the cooking for Thanksgiving, it, at least not I know it's not you, but well, part time New Englander, we're getting into some colder weather here, and a lot of us will be going into this new weather cycle in which most folks won't even consider going outside. Uh, the central lights are a hardy crew for sure, but for the folks who aren't trained to deal with the cold weather of grilling and barbecuing, do you have any pointers that might help change their minds and at least give it a go? Yeah, well, I do. And, you know, when I was up in New England, we used to say that uh, 
what separates the men from the boys is uh, when it snows, what do you shovel first, the path to your car or the path to your grill? Right. Uh, and uh, I have done a fair amount of grilling up north. Uh, I remember one particularly memorable class in uh, uh, up in Canada where it was October and I flew in sort of with my, uh, my uh, light shirt and it, uh, we got about six inches of snow in uh, one evening. So here are some pointers. Number one, remember that when it's cold and snowing out, uh, you're going to need a longer cooking time, probably 25 to 35% longer. Number two, uh, if you are working with charcoal, light a second grill, have an extra set of coals that you can shovel on top. Number three, never set your grill up under a tree branch that has a lot of snow on it (laughs) because the heat of the grill may melt the snow at some point and uh, dump it on you. And number four, and this is really important, because you're so cold, you may forget that the metal and the fire and the coals are still really hot. So it's kind of easy to burn yourself when it's cold. Be sure and wear those uh, grill gloves or grill mitts and and uh, just be careful. But, uh, you know, grilling outdoors is uh, it's a really... Um, in the winter, it's a really wonderful, invigorating thing. And when I lived in Boston, I used to chip the uh, ice off my grill and grill all year round. I mean, plus, I think uh, about 35% of American families do grill all year round. That's including people that live in the frost belt. So, you know, don't be a wuss. Hey, Stephen. It's Steve again. Hi, uh, Steve. Um, my my search down your Wikipedia page, uh, again, something that was just so interesting to me. It says you battled and defeated Iron Chef Rokusbury Michiba. Yeah, in the Battle of the Barbecue Gods on Jap- Japanese television. It, Abe, is barbecue that popular in Japan? Is there an ingredients difference? Is there an equipment difference? Well, what the heck? Well, Japan has a very rich tradition and culture of grilling. Uh, in terms of barbecue, such as we understand it low and slow with a lot of wood smoke, absolutely not. But I was pretty astonished to be able to find cherry wood sawdust in a Japanese food market. And that was actually what I used uh, to smoke. Um, it was kind of a case of, uh, I think, you know, Rakus Burmachiba is an incredibly accomplished chef. Uh, what he did was direct grilling. Uh, and they had given me a gas grill, which I, uh, to use, and I promptly ripped out the guts of that and put charcoal in it and turned it into a smoker. And we did, uh, smoke baby backs and smoke chicken. And I actually got the judges to eat the ribs with their fingers, which is something no Japanese person would ever in his right mind would ever do. And, uh, by some miracle, you know, the pendulum swung and uh, when the votes were tallied, uh, I won. So I, uh, I promptly retired after that <laughs> evening. That was my uh, first and last uh, Iron Chef experience. Stephen Reichland joining us here on the show, uh, stephenreichland.com and barbecuebible.com, uh, probably the, the two biggest websites you can find them at. So, you know, we know Stephen Reichland, the cookbook author, the recipe creator, host of Barbecue U, Primal Grill. The list goes on, Stephen. But what about this guy, Stephen Reichland, the author of this new novel that you had alluded to a little bit earlier, Island Apart? Are you getting a little bit out of the box here, Stephen? Well, I'm getting a lot outside of the box here. But, uh, you know, I guess my life lesson for that is if you have a dream to do something, 
and even it's it's a illog- illogical or uh, seemingly not part of your life path. Pursue it. Uh, I had always wanted to write fiction, uh, and uh, and and sort of I fell into food and food writing through this uh, this Watson Foundation fellowship. It's been terrific. The world of barbecuing and grilling. I mean, amazing experiences. I've been all over the world, met fantastic people, uh, written uh, best-selling books that are translated into seventeen languages. Um, you know, I mean, what more could a guy ask for in life? But always in the back of my mind, I wanted to write fiction. I wanted to to invent the story and tell it. And that uh, that story was actually born in Martha's Vineyard, where I. I spend uh, half the year, and the the idea of one of my protagonists is a guy called the Hermit of Chappaquiddick. It's set on Chappaquiddick Island, and he's a guy for whom all the ties that normally bind us to the world get cut. He has no wife, he has no friends, he has no family, he lives off the land and off the grid, so he has no colleagues. He is as alone as a person can be in this world. And then I wanted to sort of say, okay, well, there he is. Let's bring him back to the world and society and see what happens. And to do that, I uh, invented a female protagonist uh, named Claire Dohaney, who's a New York book editor who finds herself, her husband leaves her for uh, for uh, a, a girl half her age, and she discovers she has uh, cancer and she's having problems at work. So she's a wounded soul, soul too. And she kind of comes to recover on Chappaquiddick Island. They meet, they connect through a shared love of food and cooking. Uh, so I didn't sort of give up my love of food completely, but I tried to harness it to tell a different story, a story of sort of love and loss and redemption. Because of the success of the, the PBS shows and all of the cookbooks, everything that was Live Fire is associated with Stephen Reichlin. When you decided to go fiction, were you afraid at some point that there was going to be some stigma or pigeonholing towards you or because you had worked enough with the uh, with the um, the publisher that there was a good enough relationship there to, to lend that trust out? Well, I will say that I think a, a lot of people um, – we live in an age where people want you to specialize and uh, – I, I would say that the book was met with a certain amount of skepticism. And if you look on Amazon.com under Island Apart, you look at the reviews, invariably they say, uh, I, I don't know, I was really suspicious, I had my doubts, but, you know, darn, I read the story and I really got caught up on it. I guess the lesson is, you know, we there's so many things we're capable of and there's so many interests we all have. And, uh, you know, if you've got a dream, give it a shot. Question for Steve, Steve. Will there be another fiction book? Uh, there will be. I'm uh, actually working on another one. It's uh, going to be a, a story about a guy who gets to reinvent his life. You know, we all say at some point in our lives, gee, if only I had taken the left turn instead of the right turn or done this instead of that, what would my life be like? So he's going to get an opportunity to see that. Uh, there will also be a food element. It's going to be set in an artisanal bakery in Portland, Oregon. Okay, so we have Stephen Reichlin, who's who's the barbecue god to all of us, and now he's he's going to be a successful uh, fiction novel writer. What would Stephen Reichlin be doing if he wasn't the barbecue cooking god, wasn't the fiction uh, writing uh, up and coming star? Uh, well, he'd probably be on a sailboat sailing around Key Biscayne <laughs> and making a living. Yeah, I got, but I got to tell you, 
I love what I do. I, uh, I love the barbecuing and grilling work. It's afforded me and my family so many amazing opportunities. Uh, it's, uh, grilling is so central to who we are, not only as to who we are as guys, to who we are as Americans, to who we are as people. But if you think historically, you know, somewhere about 1.8 million years ago, a very distant human ancestor that was barely human made this amazing discovery that you could cook meat with fire. And that discovery led to so many implications. Uh, We had to gather around a fire, so we became a social uh, creature. Uh, We had to split up so that one group of people would sort of stay home and tend the fire, and the other group of people would go out and get the food, would hunt and gather. So that led to the division of labor. The fact that we're eating cooked meat, which is a lot easier to chew than raw meat or raw food, led to a diminution of the size of our jaws and our teeth and a a huge expansion of our brain power. So the look of the human face, the power of uh, the human mind, all of these uh, originated with barbecue. And I think that's one reason we feel such incredible passion about barbecuing and grilling. You know, people don't stand around mesmerized to watch a pot of soup or chili boil. (laughs) All over the world, the minute you light a grill, people are around it staring, kind of participating in that primal magic. And smelling, for sure. No doubt. (laughs) Uh, Absolutely. Stephen, one last question before I let you go. Uh, There's been a influx of barbecue on television now. You see it on the Food Network. Uh, You've seen it now on uh, what was Outdoor Living Network at one point. Then it was Versus. Now it's going to be on Destination America uh, coming up here in the next couple weeks with Barbecue Pitmasters, John Marcus's effort. As someone who really kind of uh, blazed that trail of at least getting the the grilling and the barbecue on television, as you watch some of these shows now, how do you find them? You know, I'm interested to get your take on you know reality television as it is associated with barbecue and grilling. Well, I have to confess to you that I, I, although I make television, I don't watch watch a lot of television. I'm more kind of I get my information more and entertainment more from reading. But I will say that from what I have seen, uh, I think anybody that gets people stoked up, fired up about live fire cooking uh, is a good thing. Anything that gives us new ideas, expands our imaginations, makes us want to go out, fire up our grills and smokers, uh, wants to make us bond with that great barbecue community around the world, that piece is a good thing. Stephen Reichlin is a multiple-time author, best-selling author, uh, TV host, you name it, Stephen has done it, and um, breaking it all down for us tonight, Stephen, appreciate the time, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours on Thursday, and, and let's not have the gap so much next time, let's uh, squeeze it in a little bit sooner next time. Would love to do this, and uh, really enjoy the show, uh, you do a great job, and happy Thanksgiving to you and to all your viewers. Thanks, Stephen. There he is, Stephen Reichlin. How about that? What a nice guy. What a classy individual. Who's the better guy, me or Stephen Reichlin? Watch well, I'm, it. I'm sitting two feet away from you, so I would say you with Stephen a very, very close second. One, one A and one and one B. Yeah, one A yeah, and yeah, one let's B. Let's go with that. Right. Perfect. Uh, whenever I can mix in a uh, horse racing thing, I'm going to delete Stephen's face off of there. Pull us down. Well, that's really going to bug me. 
And so you really have never had fried turkey? I've never had fried turkey. Oh, dude, i got to teach you how to do fried turkey. Uh, Steven, you ever heard of the barbecue guru? Me? I have a guru competitor. I love it. You do? Absolutely. It'll make the competitor anymore. It doesn't matter. I love that thing. I won't give it up. It is the longest-running sponsor of the show um, with me since day one of, even when back in the podcast. This could be eight years now that they've sponsored the show. Um, here's the beauty of this thing. You want to go ahead and uh, have a pit temperature set at one particular point, but you don't want to sit around and 10 pit temperatures all day long and twice on Sunday. Look, I can appreciate that more than most people can. Uh, so here's what you can do. You can go to the Barbecue Guru, thebbqguru.com, and you can check out exactly uh, what they have to offer. And so it's like uh, you put this thing on your particular cooker, you set it at the temperature you want, and you are off and free to do whatever it is that you want to do. Maybe you're a busy working professional, maybe you're on the run with kids doing errands, and you just don't have the time to set around and maintain those pit temperatures. The Barbecue Guru allows you to throw on a pork butt or a brisket or a couple slabs of ribs, and you're off to do whatever it is you need to get done, and the Barbecue Guru maintains that pit temperature you set it at. Uh, many different models to choose from. Newest one, CyberQ Wi-Fi, selling like hotcakes, proverbially. You have the uh, CyberQ 2, the DigiQ DX2, and, of course, that newest one, the PartyQ, at $129 for most cookers, $139 for the ceramic styles. Easiest point of entry when it comes to pit temperature controlled devices. It's a self-contained package. It runs on AA batteries. You can put it on my Weber Smoky Mountain. You go to Stephen's house. You can put it on his good one smoker. You can take it from Stephen's house. You can go to somebody else's house and put it on their big green egg. It's mix and match heaven. And it all takes place at the Barbecue Guru. Also, they do have that Onyx oven, which has been winning on the competition circuit and in backyards all over the country for years now. Fully insulated, holds a lot of meat, accommodates half pans, food service pans, works seamlessly, obviously, with any of the Barbecue Guru pit temperature control devices. So go to the website, thebbqguru.com, or give them a call, 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. They'll make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. 800-288-GURU or thebbqguru.com. It's the Barbecue Guru, a breakthrough in barbecue technology. We'll be back to wrap the first hour up right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Advice on cooking brisket and ribs. And the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Who would have thought this? All right, we are back. 877-448-0433. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Those are the uh, two numbers you get a hold of. Stephen DeFranco in studio. Thanks for joining me, Steve. Hey, it's a pleasure being here. Thank you. Um, what did you think of this uh, Stephen Reichland over the last two seconds? Bar, you know, holding the technical difficulty we had there at the very beginning. I, I got to tell you, and I'm going to be honest, you know, watching him on TV and, and, and uh, uh, looking through the one book that I have of his, I, I think it's How to Grill. I was looking at that this morning at breakfast, too, so I'd be a little bit prepared. 
Um, I, I just like the guy, and just like what you do for barbecue, being on the radio and getting us all jacked up all the time, and, and what John Marcus does with the barbecue TV. Uh, it's a it's a it's a group of three people that that make us all just salivate all the time and get excited for barbecue and think about it and want to do it and want to talk about it. Perfect. I think what I like best about Stephen is the fact that uh, he is so cerebral about anything that has to do with cooking. And then, obviously, he's extending out and going into something that uh, technically isn't in his wheelhouse. Um, I shouldn't say that. People wouldn't think it would be in his wheelhouse, that being the uh, the fictional writing, which is obviously going along very well for him. Uh, so to make that diversification and completely peel away, a lot of people might not have the balls to want to do that. But he did, and he's doing pretty well at it now. he got another book in the works. Uh, but just to hear him talk and um, really kind of break it down almost scientifically to a certain degree is uh, something that I really enjoy having him on the show. And, and You know, I mentioned to people today, I was having him on the show, and they don't he, – he's almost at the, the cusp of breaking into, like, the Bobby Flay name recognition. I mean, to us, he's – I mean, you know who he is. Sure, absolutely. But he's not – I told my boss who I was having on today, and he was, you know, wondered who that is. I think Stephen is, I, 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 he's way too smart to be cooking redneck cooking yeah. barbecue. And you wonder why a guy that is that extremely intelligent wants to dabble with this. But obviously it's worked out well for him. That's right. All right. Uh, we will come back at the top of the hour. We have sauce reviews and uh, whatever else. You're listening to the Barbecue Show, uh, Barbecue Show, Barbecue Central Radio Show right here on the Barbecue Central Radio Networks. This is Huck Jr., host of In the Hut, and you listen to the Barbecue Central Radio Network. All barbecue and grilling all the time. From my heart and from my hand, why don't people understand my intention? Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Fine, how's it going? <laughs> We have a great show. I'm a big fan. So what? What? What seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono, it's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate fifty four wieners. I'm listening, Laverne. Shake face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> You could use it to fight off creeping marauders looking to take your steaks off your grill. I just like being anywhere with Junior, Senior, and Diva. Sounds like a whole the movie. Wow. <laughs> yeah, really. Keep it hot, keep it clean, keep it lubricated. We have top men working on it right now. Ooh. Top men. One of these days I'm going to remember to... Turn that microphone. All right, we're back in the second hour. 877-448-0433. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Stephen DeFranco is in. Live guest in studio, making the trip all the way over from the Chardon, Ohio. The hills of Chardon. Is it snowing over there yet, Steve? Oh, we already had snow. Uh, and I'm working with a new uh, picture in the background. I'm, I'm in coals. I'm taking the caveman cooking style that Stephen was just talking about, throwing myself directly on the coals. 
cooking myself. I'm going to flip myself over in seven minutes uh, so I get a nice choky, smoky char on myself. Did that fix your green screen problems? I got something going on. What the hell's going on? All right. Let's see. Rempy minion style, it said. Yeah. No doubt. Rempy is on fire. Perfect. All right. A couple things here. Uh, Second takes. Uh, On the show next week, for sure, Sam the Cooking Guy. I'm trying to reload uh, Mantry. Sam's going to be talking about a number of things to include uh, what to do with your holiday leftovers. Uh, Sam is uh, very good in the in the uh, the minimalist number of ingredients that he uses. Uh, so always looking forward to, to having him on. Uh, we're going to try and reload Mantry. I, th- I still think that's a really good product to tell you guys about, uh, but we've kind of fallen out of communication there. Uh, and you got a couple other things lined up as well. So look for that next week. Now, let me get into this. This the show is not a political show. Let's just get that right out here in the open. Steve, did you see that Texas was petitioning the White House to secede from the union? What? Did you see that last week? No. After the election and people were pissed that uh, Obama wins again. So now states were talking about seceding. Texas was the first one. This is not good. So uh, the U.S. can this was uh, this was the actual petition. Uh, the U.S. continues to suffer economic difficulties stemming from the federal government's neglect to reform domestic and foreign spending. The citizens of the U.S. suffer from blatant abuses to their rights, such as the NDAA, the TSA, etc., given that the state of Texas maintains a balanced budget and is the 15th largest economy in the world. It is practically feasible for Texas to withdraw from the union and to do so would protect its citizens' standard of living and resecure their rights and liberties in accordance with the original ideas and beliefs from our founding fathers, which are no longer being reflected by the federal government. So they want out. You didn't hear about that? I didn't. You own a jewelry store and you have no time for working? Remember what I told you about my laptop that I just got back? (laughs) Do do we want to cover that? It was all over the television. (laughs) So, uh, you know, here's a fun fact. You you know, that you write this petition. Fun fact is this. There's 13 point. Six million registered voters in Texas. Eighty. Now, this was maybe three or four days ago that I got this information, but uh, at that point, eighty-one thousand people had signed the petition to secede. Eighty-one thousand. That's it. I'm no math major. That seems to be a pretty small percentage. That's like Austin. It's like point zero zero five nine percent small. So while eighty thousand. 81,000 signatures might sound, I guess, impressive at, at first blush. Uh, it might be good to get a little perspective to the whole um, to not see that even six one-thousandths of a percent want to actually secede from the union. So, and again, not a Democrat or Republican take. Um, this show, not political. But look, I'm pro-America. So seceding from the union means to me that you're no longer pro-USA. And everything else uh, going on here in this country, the last thing I want to hear about is people not wanting to be a part of the solution. And quitting the country is not solving anything. It just means that you're a quitter. And I'm a proud American, and I'm in it for the long haul, and I believe in karma. And whether I like what's going on in this country right now or not, I'm going to continue to do what I think is best. That happens to mean that I will stay here in America. I will not quit the country. Amen, brother. Stay in here. Put down anchors. 
I think when if you voted for Obama and and he won, God bless you, that's wonderful. If you voted for Romney and and he lost, you have the right to complain if you want. It doesn't matter. You have to vote. That's just part of our program, part of America. You gotta vote. And if you didn't want Obama to win, he's still the president of the country that we love. You have to respect him and respect the office. And if you didn't vote for him, you have the right to complain if, 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 because you voted. If you didn't vote, shut up. If you didn't vote, shut up. A lot of people don't vote. We're being told on the Twitter that they want to stop hearing this and they want barbecue. Who said that? Um, barbecue food for you. Says, I'm in Canada and just want to stop hearing this crap everywhere. I want barbecue. Uh, BBQ f- food, food for, for you. You. Yep. you heard it for two seconds. And you're in Canada. Beat it. We have many things to argue about here. I'm just kidding. Um, so uh, I just wanted to throw... I just found it so interesting that you know now we're talking about seceding from the Union. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, in order to actually secede from the union, the federal or, or, or the uh, the high-ranking government of the state actually needs to submit something. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure on that. I thought I wrote something like down. Uh, yeah, the, uh, for the federal government to seriously consider a petition to secede, it must be submitted by the governing body of the state, and evidently they haven't done that yet. So, you know, take it for what it is. Don't quit the country. Love the country. Be here. Be part of the solution. Be active. Um, we're going to do the barbecue sauce review here next segment. Yes, 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 yes. What do you have uh, lined up for Thanksgiving, Steve? Thanks- are you, well, are you going to be uh, frying a turkey, Mr. Give-It-To-Me? <laughs> no, this year we're not going to be frying a turkey. After the first of the year, I'm frying a turkey, and you're going to come over, and you're going to learn how to do it, and you're going you're gonna to love it. Well, you're it's not that I, I don't necessarily not know how to do it. It just really hasn't, like, uh, grabbed me in any special way. You've not had it, though. Correct. I'm not, I don't want, I don't not want to try it, but it just doesn't propel me to want to try it instantly like, uh, you know, 50-year-old bourbon. Well, you're just touting that you're an American. Americans love fried stuff, and fried turkey is pretty American. Now, one tip on fried (laughs) turkey, whether you're cooking or watching it, and I learned this the first time I did it. I uh, was a couple of days later, I'm in the car with my wife and my wife says, what smells? Mm. And I said, well, I, I, I showered this morning and, you know, the, she said, something smells rancid. And oh. I said, honey, I don't know what you're talking about. And she says, wasn't that the coat you had on while you were frying the turkey? Uh-oh. And I said, uh, yeah. And she leaned over and sniffed my coat. So when you fry turkey or spectate, you're going to make sure that you wash those clothes because after a couple of days, it's not so good. So it's just the smoke is just... Uh coming right on you like oh, a yeah. sponge oh yeah now you're doing it at an insured clear distance i would imagine we do it off the patio as a general rule it's snowy when we do it because we do it after the first of the year we don't do it around thanksgiving so the propane canister is buried in the snow our our uh, our stand is is kind of mounted with snow on the bottom we have a long pole so the turkey goes in off of a pole so we're nowhere near it and the most important thing is we take the turkey, whatever turkey size we're going to do, and we try to do them all the same size. We put it in the pot dry, fill it with water, and scribe a nail line on the pot. Mm. And so now we know how much oil to put in there, and you get very little spillover, which is going to be very, very little uh, fire and also less cleanup on the pot. I was listening to a radio show uh, just the other day, and they were talking about frying a bird. 
And the caller, you know, everybody's an expert all of a sudden. People are calling in. This was a sports talk show. And one guy said, and I never heard it before, said, hey, right before you drop the turkey in, turn the flame off. Drop the turkey in, let it go through the bubbling phase, blah, blah, blah. Once you settle it in, fire it right back up, you know, 45, 50 seconds, something less than a minute, uh, and then go ahead and, and relight the flame, and you're off and running again. You ever heard that? Never heard that. It, it is going to fluctuate a whole bunch when you put that cold bird in there, but within a couple of minutes, things settle out, and you're dancing on the knob just a little bit for a few minutes, but it settles out pretty quick. John Dawson says, right before you drop it, run. <laughs> Agreed, John. Run like a crazy. All right, so we got a couple minutes here. No, a couple seconds. This is your spot for, uh, you know, the Stephen DeFranco read. My spot. Holy cow. What the, do you want to, like, wing it or are yeah. we going to unveil something or you just want to do it? Well, uh, yeah, we will unveil something. And actually, we're going to we're gonna have this on our website tomorrow. This is the first time in the history of the company, 39 years that we are going to have some Black Friday specials going on. Never done Black Friday before. Never, never, never. We're always open and we're always busy, but we're going to have special Black Friday deals. All right, tell us about it. Okay. You know, you've been touting watches, and and I know you have a couple of my watches, and I was holding my watch up because somebody was yelling at me on the Twitter because I didn't have it on, and it was banging on the computer making too much noise. (laughs) But there's going to be, I think it's 26 Bulova Accutrons that we are going to have at half price. Half price. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Wow. So that the public is hearing that for the first time right now. Not even all the employees know that. So they are going to be 26 of them. They're gorgeous. They're all brand new styles, brand new watches, full warranty, our extended warranty with our uh, watch protection program. We extend the warranty by a year, and we're going to give you free batteries for life if you're in town. If it's an automatic watch that doesn't count, we'll engrave it. We'll ship it to you for free. Um, you just cannot eat that. That's a, a stomping Black Friday special. For the people that aren't in town, um, are these watches going to be like earmarked on the website? Um, or like how are they going to figure out which ones are going to be the 26 Accutrons uh, that are going to be half off? They're not going to be on the website. They're going to have to call me up and say, hey, Steve, I'm your barbecue buddy, um, uh, barbecue brother, barbecue sister, uh, and I can go over the numbers with them, and I can tell them which ones are going to be. We have them marked in the store, but uh, even though we're pretty tech-savvy, we're not that tech-savvy yet. Are, uh, how do they look? Are they uh, varying you know, uh, colors and bands and bracelets and all that stuff? Oh, absolutely. There's going to be some metal bands. There's going to be some uh, leather straps. Uh, there's some rose golds. There's some white golds. There's some two-tones. Um, there's chronographs. There's some dress ones. When I was picking them out today, I wanted to make sure that whoever walked in and wanted to take part of the deal, they were going to have something that they were going to like. I'm a leather band guy. I'll uh, hold up my my precisionist that that I wear. You can see it's a leather strap. Yep. I have all kinds of watches with leather straps. I have some metal band ones, too, but I wanted to make sure that, that everybody was going to be covered. Here's what you do. Uh, you call Steve, 440-943-2700. 440-943-2700. Uh, somebody picks up the phone, you ask for Steve. And again, the guy sitting right next to me is the guy that owns the place. This isn't, you know, Steve, the sales. Let me talk to my sales manager. Uh, Steve owns, so, you know, the numbers he's giving you, he's getting it right from the guy that owns the store because he happens to own the store. So 
Uh, check it out. Uh, again, all weekend, 26 Accutrons that are going to be half off. So uh, get all of the information from Steve. Of course, uh, typically everything ships free. Absolutely ships free. We'll engrave it for free. We'll extend that warranty for free for you. Most people don't know on watches the warranty is through the manufacturer. If you're in town here, uh, what we'll end up doing is you bring it into my store. If there's a problem with it, which is pretty a pretty rare situation, we'll send it back and forth uh, on our dime to make sure. But that, that the, the, the product is just so phenomenal. You usually don't have a problem with that. I can uh, certainly attest to that. All right, stephendefranco.com is the website. The number, again, to call for the Black Friday special is 440-943-2700. 440-943-2700. Uh, Stephen DeFranco, proud sponsor of the show. And uh, we'll be back with the barbecue sauce review of Killer Hogs right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. This is the Barbecue Central Show. Stephen DeFranco is in studio with me tonight. 440-943-2700. It is uh, Stephen's phone number. Sorry. thought I was giving a call online. 877-448-0433. Greg at the BBQ Central Show's email address. All right. You talk about uh, prices of watches with people, Stephen, and watch the reaction fall in. If you're not, remember, if you're not a watch guy and you don't appreciate a watch and what it can cost, then you would have had the greatest time down at the Kingsford Invitational with uh, the Motley. Um, there were two guys from the Motley Q crew barbecue team, uh, Matt Sprouse and a guy that goes by the name of Onion. He's a uh, Cajun. Yeah. Watch guys to the hilt. This guy was competing at an uh, event. Onion was wearing a Rolex Submariner. Competing at a barbecue event. Why not? I don't know. I wouldn't ever put it on. I'd be afraid a rock would hit on or a pigeon would shit on it. Well, at that price, you're going to insure it, right? You'd expect you'd insure an expensive piece of jewelry, your wife's engagement ring, or another fine piece of jewelry. Uh, an expensive watch is a good idea to get insured as well. I thought I saw on the internet that a new Submariner two tone was like twenty grand. Is that right? That's pretty close. Yeah. We're not a Rolex dealer, but uh, the used prices are, are quite steep as well. Is, uh, I mean, that you know, to me, that seems to be getting into a lot of money. And then there were some like uh, other diving watches, like the is it UTS or the UTS? Yes, uh, the UTS. Yeah, so you know, five thousand dollar watch there as well. Um, but if you're not a, a watch person, uh, you're probably just not going to appreciate the fact of, of what is gone into make it, why it's moving like it is, and why that price tag is associated with. It. Well, you know, I tell people who come in the store and guys get all excited about gadgets, whether it's barbecue gadgets or, or watches, you don't need to spend five grand, three grand, two grand on a watch to be a watch junkie. You can have a lot of fun for 200 bucks, 250 bucks. 
I don't have a $5,000 watch. I, my most expensive watch is a Philip chronograph that's 3000 bucks. Now, that's a very special one to me. It's serial number five. It, it was a prototype, and it was never finished, so there's some collectability there. But as a general rule, I keep my watches under 1000 bucks because I cycle through them. They're, they're like a, a new pretty girl to me, you know, uh, twice a year. Uh, another one walks in front of me, and, and the sales reps are, are you know, they're, they're, like, they're like pushers. Yeah. You know, they just say, hey, Steve, you know, here's a picture of the new watch. I'll say, send it. Yeah. Well, well, how many do you want? Just, just me. I don't care about the customer. Send it. I want it. <laughs> Engrave my initials on it. I want it. I want it now. <laughs> and they all get a great giggle about that. But they're not expensive watches. My, um, my, my precisionist that my crew got me for Christmas last year. Um, this is six ninety nine. By the time we discount it thirty percent, you know that's a, that's a pretty reasonable watch. Yeah. And I can wear this for a few. This one won't go away because of my crew getting it for me. But some of my other ones are in that price range. And after a period of time, I'll sell them off to a buddy, and uh, and I'll get another one. That's just part of the fun thing. Yeah, I like uh, I like both of my watches, and uh, you know, I have that rose gold uh, Accutron, and then I have the I have the same watch that you have, um, but it has the uh, titanium bracelet uh, band instead of the leather and you can you know you can mix and match and like i always tell everybody and then we'll get down to the sauce here in a second you know guys don't have a lot of stuff that you can kind of like sharpen up your your dress and stuff or you know got a lot of guys aren't wearing jewelry per se majority of people aren't wearing jewelry uh, earrings and big gaudy ring most people aren't um, but a watch is something that is going to kind of class up your whole appearance it can you can make it dressy you can make it functional and you know it's it's kind of a and it is you know women have the women watch guys but you know for guys it's it's kind of one of those things that you can almost kind of make your own and i also what i do uh, and you had mentioned you have the same watch that that i have there people can see that i have a leather strap on it mine came with the titanium band yeah. i wore that for a little bit i put this band on the, the red piping matches the second hand the next time my watch strap salesman comes in, I'm looking for a new band for this because I want to change its personality. And I can do that a couple times a year for 20 bucks, 50 bucks, and I didn't have to spend another $500, $600. I can change the personality of the watch and have a good time with it right. until, I'm, uh, until I'm tired of it. All right, so here we go. We're going to go ahead and do the barbecue sauce review here. Let me uh, go full screen. Uh, this is the sauce right here. Uh, it is uh, Killer Hogs, the barbecue sauce. And uh, the website, of course, KillerHogs.com, H-O-G-S, not Z, KillerHogs.com. And uh, we'll go back here. Did you inspect for liquid smoke? Uh, well, at the, you know I always look at the ingredients. So at the very end, uh, spices, comma, artificial flavor. Yeah. I mean, that could be nectarine juice for all I know. That could also be MSG. Did you know that? Bring it on. I am not somebody that hates MSG. I'm not somebody that hates uh, high fructose corn syrup. But some people are allergic to MSG. My niece is. Well, we won't give it to her then. No. So we would be able to tell if it was. We could have her taste it, and if she starts bouncing off the walls, then it's probably going to blows up. <laughs> or her head blows up. Let's not do that. No. All right. So uh, let's give it the nose test first. Okay. Now for Steve. That's very familiar. Very familiar. Yeah. Try again. I am getting a little liquid smoke on the nose. Got to be honest. And then uh, maybe a ketchup or like a tomato paste. I don't know about the tomato paste, but that, my, my brain's just reeling. That is so familiar. All right. So here we go. 
Let me uh, do a close-up here so we can do the pour. People can see what it looks like as it's coming out. I like uh, the color. Here we go. Six. Got the full pour there. Nice. And uh, now we'll go oh, ahead oh. and actually get to taste it here. So I'm going to look at it, kind of swirl it around. A lot of spices in there. You can see the spices in there. Let me see if uh, that'll actually show you. Yeah, you can see them right there before I spill it all over my other stuff. And, uh, okay, ready? Go ahead and take a uh, take a bit. I'm going for a big mouthful here. A lot of honey in there. That's sweet. Okay, I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm thinking of right now. Two words, Blues Hog. Thank you. Yeah. That tastes exactly like Blues Hog. Yep. Um, right now, back of the mouth, I'm getting a little bit of heat, uh, which I wouldn't get with Blues Hog, but... And, uh, and I'm not tasting any liquid smoke. Uh, so I don't know if that was just like a fake smell or if it's just... You know, there when you crack it and it'll evaporate with the air. But that is uh, definitely sweet. A lot of spices in there. You can feel the spices in your mouth. I like. See, I'll add honey to sauce sometime when I'm going to be doing glazing before I'm going to serve it, just so it has that pretty shine, that pretty glisten. Yep. This you can tell it's got a lot of that in there. I like that a lot. Yeah, That's I mean, it's it's shiny right there as it's sitting in the bowl. Look, it's so, coated the side of the bowl. Oh yeah, I mean, it's got. Uh, if this was wine, the legs would be crazy. I'm going to go ahead and give you one uh, one more shot here so you can see it. I mean, this is coating the bowl very easily. So it's going to stick to meat very good. Yeah, I, I don't know uh, what the price of sale is going to be. Where do we get or, this or stuff? Or where the price point is going to be. I don't know if it is widely available yet or not. Um, but it would be at killerhogs.com. Killerhogs, H-O-G-S, killerhogs.com. Uh, and again, I don't know what the price point is. I believe Malcolm said that they had just gotten in the shipment. He wanted to rush me off a bottle so we could taste it here on the show. Uh, so it's something that if it isn't available right now, it's probably going to be available here in fairly short order. So I can pass that information along to people or, or blog about it, put it on the Facebook and the Twitters. Um, how much would you pay for a 18-ounce bottle? Well, let's see. I've been buying Guy Fieri's... Um uh, sweet sauce and a bottle like that. If you're pretty sharp on buying it, wait for the sales are about two ninety nine. But I'm going to guess since this is probably not produced in as much quantity as Mr. Fieri's sauce, this is probably going to be a four ninety nine, five ninety nine bottle. Yeah, I pay um, you know with shipping, you know probably uh, you know between six and seven bucks. Um, and then probably if you order more, I'm sure you'd get a discount on shipping there. So um, something that you would buy. You like it? Yeah, what, what are you rated I, one out of five? One out of five. I like Blues Hog. I like Fieri's. Uh, so it's gonna it's gonna rate up there with uh, with those guys. To me, uh, I have to judge the sauce. How's it gonna taste warm? We just tasted it cold. Yep. What's gonna taste like warm? 
And how's it going to work when you start caramelizing? What What's the flavor change going to be? It, it's got to hit all three of those things for me. If it hits two out of the three, that doesn't, doesn't work for me. Blues Hog can hit all three of those. Uh, Mix and Fietti's um, Sweet with his Carolina number six, I can hit all those. I can make it glaze real pretty. Um, uh, we'd have to try it warm and have to try to caramelize it. Out of the bottle for me, cold in its state, which is typically how I'm evaluating sauces just for the show for obvious reasons. Um, this is a winner for me. I would absolutely recommend it. Um, it doesn't smell bad. Uh, it's got a good viscosity. It's obviously going to glaze very well. Um, so I'm excited to try it on uh, you know some other stuff. This is obviously has uh, easily a, a chicken, um, but I think also uh, pork sandwich would, would go very well. It looks like it would do very well on ribs uh, too. So... Very excited to try that out. Uh, KillerHogs.com. Thanks to uh, Malcolm Reed for sending me a bottle. And uh, next week I'll actually have another barbecue sauce to uh, review as well. It's making its way from uh, Stockton, California as we speak. Malcolm, send him another bottle because this one may end up going home in my backpack. I was say, I know this is, uh, <laughs> is going to be a gift for in-studio guest, uh, in studio guest uh, Stephen DeFrank. All right. Um, <coughs> pardon me. I would say once it comes available, at least give it a shot. Um, and I'm still getting a little, you get a little residual spice there. Yeah. Still a little there's burn. There's been some stuff happening. Not, well, not burn, but yeah. I mean, I'm I'm typically vinegar guy. I'm typically something spicier than not for the palate. Look, let me, um, no giveaway yet, which only leads me to believe the fact that it's actually not for sale yet. So I'm sure Malcolm will uh, be happy to, to give a bottle or two away here uh, once everything gets set. Um, and we can go from there. You you brought up uh, Guy Fieri, and you use his sauce. I don't necessarily know a lot of people that would probably publicly say that they use his sauces, so that's very bold on your part. Uh, not afraid to incur the central light wrath. It's okay. Um, uh, do you like this guy, Guy Fieri? Yeah. You know, we watch his diners, drives in, diners, drive-ins, and dives show when there's nothing else on. Widely considered to be like one of the best shows ever. For for even the guy haters, they seem to love Triple D. It, you know, you end up learning something. You always pick up a little tip. Uh, hey, uh, this guy throws this seasoning into this mix of this breading or or, uh, or or this mixture of something. So you're always learning something. Whether you like guy or not, you're learning something on there. Uh, I, you know, I've never met the man. Have you ever met him? Uh, I've never met him. Uh, I think there is a fallacy going around the Internet that uh, I don't like him, which is not the case. Uh, I think I, if you go back and listen to the history of the show, uh, there's been a few occasions where I say, I mean, I'm not necessarily a fan of his look, but, you know, I mean, that's part of the deal with, TV. with Guy. I mean, uh, I mean, I would never, well, I would like to have his hair. Mine's quickly leaving my head so if i had enough hair to spike out or do it you know whatever uh so the look you know everybody's a little bit different and that's you know your personal preference uh, so i don't care too much about that um but he seems like a nice guy everybody i've talked to that has met him says he's exactly like he is off the camera as he is on the camera uh he seems to be like a guy that i would want to sit down and throw beers with if i had the opportunity to agreed sip a fine wine or bourbon and uh, the only the, the reason I think that people sense that I cast ire upon him, no fault of his own, is the fact that he was inducted into the Barbecue Hall of Fame this year. 
Well, I, uh, so it's not it's not his fault. No, somebody asked him. it to me. I have more of a problem not with guy. I have more of a problem with the American Royal and uh, the Barbecue Hall of Fame for making a celebrity category in order to uh, drive publicity to the event. I mean, I get it. But I think at some point it, that runs its course very quickly. Wait, why is it bad that, that Guy's celebrity and what Guy's done draws attention to barbecue and the competitions? That's wonderful for us. But it doesn't. That's just the thing. Like guy, People, they're inducting him because his name and they're hoping that people are going to show up for the induction to draw a crowd in to expose the Barbecue Hall of Fame to people. You never hear... And I know he's cooked maybe one or two contests, um, and that the Motley Q crew barbecue team that I was referencing a little earlier uh, claims that he is on their team, um, but he hasn't cooked with them in recent memory. Uh, they've won all their big events without him. So I think, as far as if we're when you when you hit Hall of Fame, when you use the term Hall of Fame. You, what are we talking? About? Uh, just somebody's saying that I'm I'm laying the law on you in in, in your house here. <laughs> Whiskey Bent saying that when you when you use the term Hall of Fame in anything, it's got to be the best of the best. Right. And if you're specifically relating it to barbecue, he is absolutely unequivocally not the best of the best. He's not. Well, he hasn't he hasn't proven it, but he's entertaining. We've we we agree on that, okay. right? Triple D is wonderful. He has not barbecue. He goes to a lot of barbecue joints. It's not barbecue, though. But he goes to the barbecue joints. You look, you watch Triple D enough, he does not shy away from the barbecue joints. Agreed. And he knows his way around those things. He makes valid comments on, on different rubs and, and, uh, and sauces and things like that. He's a very, very knowledgeable guy. Now, I'm not saying that I absolutely love him, love him, love him. I don't have to love him. I buy a sauce because I like it. It's convenient. It's inexpensive. I can get it at any grocery store around here. I don't yep. have to send away from it. There's no shipping. I wait for sale. I'm happy. My wife likes it. I like it. Life is good. I don't have to love the man. I don't have to believe in his political views. He's a car guy, so he sort of got me one over there a, yeah. little, a little bit. You know, the, <laughs> the hair thing is all Hollywood. You know, he's got to be a little bit of ballsy and, and excitable on TV to keep our attention and to keep ratings and, and, and keep getting hired for shows. He's doing all that stuff. What What is he doing wrong other than being... In a, injected, injected, inducted into this this Hall of Fame that, that you don't like. Other than that, he's hitting all the good uh, buttons. Again, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't hold him in any in any less regard for. It's not. I I hold the, the American Royal more of an issue than, or, or more of a culprit than anything else, because they're trying to use him for his celebrity to further an agenda, which I understand. Wait a minute! Didn't you just have Reichlin on here to help you? No, Stephen Reichlin is a uh, Hall of Famer. He should be inducted in the Hall of Fame. If we're talking about barbecue celebrities, he should be in before Guy Fieri. He's not in. No, really, absolutely not. Okay, then I'm wrong. Never mind. That's right. Hey, Chad Ward from Whiskey Bend Barbecue, eat it. it took me ten minutes, but I won in my own house. <laughs> uh, semi recently. You did a cook for like 70 people. Was this a gun thing? A gun oh, no. It was my dad's 90th birthday. Oh, that's right. Oh, God. So what, what, what's it like for, you know, a lot of these guys here, especially in the chat, you know, they're competition teams and they, they are used to catering bigger parties. 
So just in a backyard sense for somebody like me, obviously you, what kind of an undertaking is, is that for you? I was petrified. Um, you know, the last time I was on, and, and we've talked about Chris Mark's uh, classes, and I usually hit Chris's classes twice a year. He, Chris is fabulous. Please go to his classes if you've never been to one. If you're within a day or two's drive, don't go. He is just fabulous. He should be in the Barbecue Hall of Fame. He's he's incredible. And, I, you know, I, I sent him an email. I said, Chris, I'm, I'm doing 70 people for my dad's birthday. I'm, I'm petrified. What am I going to do? He said, we'll talk about it before the next class. So uh, I get there a few minutes early, and he kind of verbally puts his arm around me and says, you know, you happy with the, the, the recipe you're going to use? Are you happy with the procedure? And I go, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And he goes, just cook five more butts than you normally do, and it's going to be fine. And he was absolutely right. I just did what he taught me, did the, the, all the confidence-building stuff that he, uh, he injected into me, and it turned out perfect. I was so proud because when your dad turns 90, how many shots do you get at that? You get one yeah that's it so um turned out super thank you chris marks and uh i used his three little pigs uh touch of cherry rub i used his cherry wood to smoke with and i used his good one hardwood charcoal you're not gonna send him a bill for that commercial are you no and i think it's you know i don't know how many people know chris's background in the competition scene but you know when he was three little pigs i mean those guys pretty much owned the competition scene especially down at the american royal winning multiple times eight yeah, so uh, when, when you go back through and look at the history of, you know, if you see Chris Marks is going to be in your town doing a class or whatever, you know, make sure that you, you do the research and the homework and realize where the pedigree is coming from. And, you know, he's more on the commercial side nowadays, but, you know, when he was out competing, I believe they were changing rules uh, at one point or another when he was acting because they were winning so much. So Exactly. Uh, there you go. Um, one last, two last. And he'll teach you those recipes see. that got the rules changed too, by the way. There you go. Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply. Look, unsavory businesses and creeping marauders at each and every turn on the Internet. I think we can all agree on that. But sometimes you're looking for a barbecue or grilling item that just isn't stocked anywhere in your hometown or the next town over or the next town over from that. Your options have become limited, and now you're forced to go online to buy the item you want to go with or you have to go without it. Pretty simple. So now that internet grip starts to set in, your hands start to sweat, that neck tightens because you've been screwed on internet purchases before and you don't want it to happen again. After all, this is your hard-earned money that you're spending. You want to feel confident that the company you are buying from is honest and fair. Great news. Fred Bernardo and the gang over Tasty Licks Barbecue relieve you of your internet buying stresses. Tasty Licks has one of the most complete inventories of barbecue and grilling items anywhere on the face of the earth. All of the items that you see on Fred's website are in stock, and they're ready to ship to you directly. Now, are there other places on the Internet that you might be able to find an item cheaper? Perhaps. But are you 100% confident that you're actually going to get the item that you buy? How long is it going to take to get to you? All gate questions that no one has the answer to with 100% assurity. That's why when you buy from Tasty Licks, the items are in the store. They ship to you promptly. Everything in the store is priced fairly. Hell, if you want to try and work Special Deal Jones with Fred, I'm sure he'd be happy to take your call. He's a businessman. You guys can work something out on the side. Tasty Licks carries grills, smokers, ceramic cookers, electric cookers, various charcoal types, wood chunks, chips, cookbooks, accessories. If they don't have it, quite honestly, folks, you don't need it. And on top of all of that, Fred carries many of the show sponsors in his store as well. So you're almost doing this two-for-one thing, shopping at a sponsor, buying sponsors' products, best of both worlds. 
And don't forget that Tasty Licks has their own line of barbecue sauces and rubs as well. Be sure to try those. So here's what we do. We head on over to TastyLicksBBQ.com. That's TastyLicksBBQ.com. Let the confidence exude from you as you make your online purchases. And then enjoy the items upon delivery. It's easy as that. Don't forget that Fred and the gang are there to help you after the sale as well. Sometimes you get a little aggressive. You order something you think you can just put right on there. blows up right in your face. So instead of having your wife tell you what an idiot you are, call Fred or Toby or one of the guys over Tasty Licks. They walk you right through it, and you're set, and you're gold. TastyLicksBBQ.com. That's a Tasty Licks Barbecue. Doing well on the competition scene as well in 2012. Looking to carry that over to 2013. All right, uh, we'll be back right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Please check in. Yeah, I'm here. I'm just responding. We're, we're at 170 bucks so far to dye your hair blonde and spike it for charity. We got to come up with a charity though, and we got to come up with a, an amount or uh, uh, an amount of money that will really. There's, what? there's what? just absolutely zero chance that I'm going to dye all of my remaining eight hair follicles blonde and spike them for charity. Mm, I mean, it's got to be a good charity. How about? Um, I well, hold on a second. I know a charity, but what about like what what kind of amount are we talking? I mean, this this has to be a this has to be like a shattering amount for me to even consider. Because look, uh, I've already Chad Ward, who's probably not going to going to actually do this, um, oh, and dude. he probably is not going to own up to it. Is the fact that he is going to be shaving off his facial hair because Bubba Latimer is not going to overtake True Bud in the case of BSN. So, Chad, to sharpen up the blade. Well, Patrick sure is um, is uh, mm. telling me the truth here. $1,000. He, he's just ponied up a sword at $1,170 for charity, dude. $1,000. I don't know. Do you know this Patrick guy? Of course. He's a faithful listener. Well, can he, can he pony up the grand? Oh, oh, I don't know about that. I don't have insight in these guys' bank accounts. I can sit here and say that I'd, I'd donate whatever $10,000 if I want to. Well, what's the charity? What are we doing here? I don't know what the charity is. You said oh, you oh, had a charity. Yes, I do. It's one, of my, uh, it's, one of, it's one of the few charities that I vocally support and try and raise money for during the course of the year. Of course, that would be CancerSuckChicago.com. Scotty Johnson's charity, friend of the show, uh, and a foundation that I've you know helped contribute to uh, over the, the years of doing the show. <clears throat> All right. Well, here we go. But I mean, it's I mean, a thousand dollars ain't gonna do it. I have to. I I have a, a newsflash, Central Lights. Uh, I do have a day job. So for me to make outside sales calls with uh, bleach blonde frosted tipped hair probably isn't gonna be making me a lot of money. I'll go to five hundred dollars. So that makes we're at fifteen hundred and seventy bucks. No, that's still not enough. 
I could lose $1,500 walking in uh, with a blonde-haired tipped head. Well, everybody think you're Guy Fieri. Tell them that's oh, who no. you are. Nobody's making that mistake. I guarantee it. Just stick your belly out, wear the sunglasses. I can hook you up with one of those big bling watches. <laughs> Some rings. Uh, we, we can make this work. Even Greg. still, I don't think people are going to be falling. All right. Uh, How long does he have to keep it dyed, it if, says? If, uh, well, I mean, it's if you know, I'm not just going to do it for a show and then like wash it out. I mean, I could. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Well, I, we need to get Can some. Can you imagine how ugly I would look? With blonde hair. Well, would it be ugly or would it be just that big of a shock? All right. Um, instant chat. Chime in. Would it be a shock or would it just make me incredibly ugly? Wait a minute. Uh, Patrick says, stop it, Steve. Greg asked for a total. Uh, oh, he said, uh, Patrick said he would go for a uh, hundred, not a thousand. No, I see up there it says $1,000. I, I did Patrick. say. Yeah. Well, Patrick, I will, I will stay at the 500 and you can come in at a hundred if you want. And somebody else had uh, fifty and a twenty in there, but I think we need to we need to uh, we need to up that a little bit. Yeah. All right. So if you want to get my hair dyed, frosted tip Jones, it's going to be five thousand dollars. Oh, dude, come on! No, that's unreasonable. Let's. How about that's unreasonable. Two thousand bucks. Unreasonable. If if for the amount of times this show is downloaded and podcast, it would be like fifty cents a person. Okay, well, we have... If, if, if every person that downloaded the show sent $1 to me, I would raise $40,000 in one month. $40,000! So if you, do the, if you do the dyed hair and the stuff, my beard has only been off me once since I've been 18 years no, old. No, we're not having a show sponsor do any of this. I will shave no my way. beard off, too. No way. I'm there with you. 500 bucks and the beard goes. Only once. In 35 years. Yes, but how is that going to affect things at home? Well, the only reason I, I have this I beard, never want to handicap anybody like that. The only reason I have this beard is because I get ingrown hairs and it itches like crazy. So for about oh. two weeks, I'll be scratching like I have fleas. All so, right, let's see. Um, you have little hair now. <laughs> Don, thanks. What I do have is thick and flourishing, you bastard. <laughs> Patrick's working now. He says, can we have a week to raise the dough? Mm. Ah. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, well, I'd like to say the hair isn't going anywhere. <laughs> of course, that's a lie. Uh, as long as I have it, it's an option. Um, let's do uh, here. Let's see here. Let me pull up the calendar. Go to Google calendars and see where we're at. Uh, go to the month view. Uh, this is uh, end of November. Why don't we say uh, it's going to be tough? So end of the year, uh, believe it or not, uh, the 25th and the 1st are Tuesdays. Christmas is a Tuesday, and January 1st is a Tuesday. So I don't even know if I'm going to actually have shows on those Tuesdays. I might have to move them to Wednesday. So the Christmas present is this. Three weeks, you listen to this. If we can raise $5,000, I will dye my hair blonde and uh, frosty tips. I will wear sunglasses. I will be my best Guy Fieri uh, during the show. I will start to now grow a beard to shave down into the, the goatee. I will dye that as well, and uh, I will do it. Gonna, so you I'm, have right now until the close of business on Christmas. To get $5,000 into the PayPal account, uh, which I will then siphon off to uh, Scott Johnson, 
over at CancerSuckChicago.com, and then I will absolutely dye my hair blonde. I will have the goatee blonde. It will be a horrific nightmare of seismic and gargantuan proportions. But I am more than happy to do it. I'm going to make matters worse for you. <laughs> you ready? I am keeping my clothes on no, no, for the show. Stay on. Whoever comes up with a donation that's got a comma in it. Oh. You ready? I'm going to match that by giving them a Bulova Accutron watch that's worth that value. Wow. Outstanding. So I'm still coming up oh with 500 God. bucks. If somebody comes up with, with, a, with, a, uh, 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 with a donation that's got a comma in it, so a grand or more, I'm going to give them a $1,000 Bulova Accutron watch, wow. men's or ladies. Free. Lace. I'll ship it to them. I'll engrave it to them. Free, free, free. I'm, you're banging your head on the microphone, dude, but think of what we're doing here. Yeah, we're going to make me look like more of an idiot than I already am. Well, I'm going to look like I have measles on my face for two weeks, so i got to do the same thing. Yes, well, but, okay, so, well, turning the tables back on you, then you're going to have to come in to the studio and do it so we can see your measly face. Deal. All right. Deal, deal, deal. Here we go. It is, uh, what, what's today's date? The 20th. So November 20th. So we have a little over a month. So if we can raise it. Um, Holy uh, hell, we'll, start dying, we'll it. it says on, yeah. uh, on, on that. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Um, Steve, you have a good one smoker at home. Actually, a, a um, uh, uh, American Barbecue Systems All-Star and a Bullet. That's right. You do have a Weber Smoky Mountain as well. Um, the Weber Smoky Mountain is what you started on? Yeah, and uh, I, I started out with my guru competitor, and and a plug for your for your sponsor. Uh, when I did my dad's birthday cook, uh, I, I I've gotten lazy, and and I don't like cleaning the grates of my smoker, so I've been doing my stuff in aluminum trays. And yep. I know the purists are going to say that's nope, bad, but that's how I do it. I I, I love doing it that love way. It. I did trays in my um, in my bullet, and I used Chris's good one charcoal in there. And my my uh, barbecue guru on there, and we couldn't tell the difference between the butts that came off of there and the butts that came off my other pit. Hmm. It just rocked. It's the first time too that I used hardwood charcoal in the uh, uh, in the bullet. Something is vibrating. I can't tell if that. Did I leave a phone somewhere? No, I got mine sitting over here, turned off. Great. Something somewhere vibrating. Fortunately, that's your hair getting nervous about yeah, getting. That's my hair screaming. Now wait, can we get Guy to come on here? No, he's it? not going to come on here. Are you but kidding me? I will, I'll call him. I'll call. This is for I'll charity, him. man. Hey, I'll, if you if you got a number to Guy, absolutely. But uh, John Marcus has got to have a number for guys. Somebody's got to have a number. Somebody on the Twitter's got to have a number for Guy, so we can get Guy to come on the um, the Skype thing that we just did with Stephen, and with your dye job, my shaving job. And and the donation of the watch thing. Yeah. And the donation of the money. You think he's going to come on the show? I don't know. No way. He's way too busy doing diners, drives-ins, and dives. <laughs> why did you pick, you know, out of all, when you decided you were going to step up out of the Weber Smoky Mountain, why did you decide to go and uh, get the smoker that you got versus all, I mean, there's a veritable cornucopia of different smokers to get out there. Why did you choose the one that you got? I, I looked for for size, for value, uh, features, and uh, uh, and this one just seemed to to hit all the marks for me. Um, it weighs three hundred and thirty pounds. It is miserable to get up on a trailer, 
and uh, stainless steel grates. Uh, the thing is, uh, I don't know how thick the walls are, eighth of an inch plate. It's It just is a ton. When my buddy saw it, he, he asked me who I was going to wheel this thing to when uh, when I was uh, when I was dead. And I've had it for three years now. It's outstanding. Just gave it its first new coat of paint here in the spring. It uh, uh, I don't use my Guru on it. Be- this one holds the uh, this one holds the temperature pretty good in in the uh, in the wind and the rain and the cold. Whereas on my Bullet, uh, I throw the Guru on there to to keep it stable. Were you? Uh, oh, that's the wrong picture right there. Were you looking to stay within a, a budget? When you were going to buy a cooker, or did that not really factor in too much? Oh, I'd, I'd love a Jambo sitting behind my, uh, but the, me and fifteen thousand dollars were too far apart. Yeah, I definitely had a had a budget, and it was down to uh, uh, I'd looked at the good ones that were within my budget. This was within my budget, and um, um, uh, and it kind of got down to these two. I probably would have ended up with a good one if I would have taken one of Chris's classes first. His are very, very frugal on uh, uh, on hardwood charcoal. This one, um, I, I do my pork butts hot and fast, and it has has an appetite for the for the charcoal when uh, when you run it hot and fast. What are some of your favorite things to cook? You know, your backyard guy. You know, people on the competition scene obviously are cooking the four same things over and over again, and they've become very proficient and good at it, making it taste very well. Um, but just for the backyard, you know, what are some of your favorite things to cook? Well, I just spent the past month on weekends uh, cooking things to fill the freezer here in northeastern Ohio. It's going to get cold and miserable in January, and as much as I love barbecue, standing out there in zero degrees is not my idea of a good time. So, <laughs> so I just did uh, I just did pork butts that uh, I sliced one and I pulled one, and those are vacuum bagged and frozen. At the last class I was at, Chris uh, refined a, a, a meatloaf recipe and technique that I'd been fiddling with, and and uh, and his tips, uh, those those rock just perfectly. Uh, his little um, um, Jimmy Dean maple sausage torpedo things, I did some of those for the freezer, and I just the last thing I did was uh, a couple of tri tips that we sliced up, and those are vacuum bagged and uh, and ready to go. The only thing I didn't get, and I've run out of time. Is uh, as I wanted to do some smoked chicken wings. Chris did those at the last class, mm. and uh, I wanted to get those back in bag. But so we got a couple days before Thanksgiving. What's up if I was uh, going to be taking my shoes off at the DeFranco dinner table on Thursday? What would I find there? Well, we're going to my brother-in-law's house, so I'm oh. going to be a bit of a spectator. My wife is doing the traditional green bean casserole, yeah. Um, and there was rumor that there might be some bakery involved, and I, I'm not going to be part of that. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty much a spectator and a chauffeur. Is that pretty annoying for you? Because I've been a spectator for Thanksgiving for like 15 years. Kills me. Uh, after cooking for all those people at my dad's party, I want more. I want to do more for family, more for friends. It just kills me. Is there no way for you to retain Thanksgiving? or I mean, does it float around for you guys? Well, with with uh, the large family that we have, it we kind of never know where we're going to end up, which side of the family we're going to start with, and uh, uh, where we're going to light afterwards. It's a it's a driving marathon, getting to wherever we got to go, getting home, take care of the dogs, and then figuring out where the other side of the family lit, and then go to them, and then get home at ten or eleven o'clock and and uh, and collapse. And then I get to work five weeks, seven days a week, twelve hours a day. It, that part's great. Oh, that's what you're giving thanks for, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, if you were going to be having Thanksgiving at your house, how would would you do the turkey on your cooker? Would you are, are you like an oven guy? Deep would you fried. Do multiple deep, deep fried, baby. 
Every time. Every time. It's that good. That good. Are you okay? So give me your process. Uh, are you injecting? I mean, we're injecting for sure, and we learned this a few years ago by accident. Uh, rain and hot oil don't mix. That's not a good thing. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> indeed, not, yeah, not very good. So we were going to do uh, a turkey fry one one day, and it started raining really terribly. So we had to put it off. But my other two buddies, we all injected our birds, so we had to let them sit overnight. And I had done the same. I was tweaking on the, the one injection that I use. And this was the first time it sat overnight. And my buddy, same thing. We all cooked our birds the next day. And Shazam, we all got a ton more uh, power out of the injection. So now we've learned that they have to stay overnight. I, I will keep mine breast down in the, uh, in the injection. And it, um, uh, it seems to work a lot better that way. Three and a half minutes a pound with a throw an extra couple minutes on the end. It seems that... Uh, when the legs are up in the air, they kind of open themselves up, and yep. that tells you that's you're you're uh, you're darn near ready to go. What what size of a turkey do you usually do? We try around ten pounds, oh. nine nine to eleven. We tell the guys, you know, because we can we can keep a, a routine going and a and a reasonable schedule going. So so nine to eleven seems to be the window we all shoot for. That's kind of following in the same size that uh, Stephen Reichlin was talking about that eight to the ten twelve pounder uh, being a nice size. Uh, do you have favorite sides? Favorite side dishes? Oh boy, the uh, the green bean casserole. It's got to be French cut green beans. I like cheddar cheese on it, mixed in with a little uh, a little bacon in there. Got to have some good bacon. Sure. From the uh, um, from that, oh god, my my uh, my brain just shut off in Hamden, Ohio. There's a, a little place out in the middle of nowhere that they process the bacon, and uh, oh, yeah? uh, it's called the uh, Hamden Meat Locker. No, Trumbull Meat Locker. Thank you. Trumbull Meat Locker. Their bacon is to die for. Hmm. It is just wonderful. Better than right brand bacon? I've never had right brand, oh. right brand bacon. That's a very good, uh, like a mass-marketed bacon. Nice, thick, cooks good, a lot of meat to it, not yep. all that white fat uh, sticking all over it. It's like one of the worst things about bacon. Um Quick thoughts about the new season of Barbecue Pitmasters coming up. Uh, debut will be the 16th of December. Anything that gets me excited for barbecue, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of the old, old, uh, not the original uh, Barbecue Pitmasters. I love that. But that next one where it was the $100,000 one, I wasn't a huge fan of it. But I got to tell you, I watched it because it got me excited for barbecue. And so I, I, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to DVR it. It's going to get me all jacked up for next year. Very good. I told John it was probably like the worst time frame to have barbecue because it's like December. But yeah, get y'all fired up. What are you going to do? Yeah. We live in northeastern Ohio, tons of snow and cold. We're not the majority. Exactly what he said. So uh, obviously two smarter guys than me giving me the same uh, answer back. So it's got to be uh, holding true to something. You know, plus, uh, you know, you're kind of at the mercy of, of the broadcast network anyway. They're going to tell you you're going to go on at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, end of December, then that's when you're going to go on. Don't really have two ways about it. So, when's he going to do our TV show? Uh, I believe he still said that that was uh, on the board of things to start working on in about five years from now. Did he polish up the name yet? No, still working on it. Two idiots barbecuing, something like that. Yeah, that was. I think that was the working title, as working they call it in the business. Yeah. Uh, Stephen DeFranco has been with me all show and uh, asking pertinent questions to his uh, namesake, Stephen Reichlin. And uh, obviously giving us a whole bunch of great information here during the second hour. Uh, Stephen, always appreciate the time uh, when you can actually get into the studio. And uh, hopefully the limo ride over was 
to your uh, to your level of partaking. I, I should recover from the beating the uh, chauffeur gave me to knock me out. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, so first and foremost, I want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. It'll be coming up in two days. Uh, be sure to be safe. Be sure to take care. Don't overdrink. Don't overeat. Yeah, right. And I hope to see everybody back healthy on Tuesday. A great show lined up. I want to thank my first-hour guest, Stephen Reichlin. You can find him at stephenreichlin.com. Also, he's got the huge website, thebarbecuebible.com. So be sure to check that out. Island Apart is the new fictional novel that's out. He's got another one that he is working on. Uh, for those that are just persisting, I don't hate Guy Fieri. I don't. The other arguments we'll take up at a different time, bastards. Um, if we're going to be making real PayPal donations for me to get blonde hair and a blonde goatee, uh, you need to email me where to send those at. Uh, Meat Rake posted something. That is not a PayPal address that I, that's not an existing PayPal address. So uh, email the show if you really want to make a donation. Uh, I will uh, keep all of those. And then once we hit that mark, uh, we'll go ahead and do it. If we don't, I'll just refund everything back. Um, if you use raw cast iron, season it each and every time after you use it. Brush it off, hit it with a little pan, a little bit of Crisco as it starts to cool down, it'll bake back in and give you generations of rust-free surface. Never want rust on raw cast iron. It spreads like a plague. Also, September 11, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, is your program host and proud U.S. American and for Stephen DeFranco. We will see you next Tuesday. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Good night now.